When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexanero Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, November 27th, 2022. And on this podcast, we're going to review Kentucky's 26-13 win over the Louisville Cardinals on Saturday in the Governor's Cup game at Kroger Field. It was the fourth straight win in the series for Kentucky. The Wildcats finished the season, the regular season, 7-5 and five overall. They were already done with SEC play, in which they finished 3-5. and five. And to help me discuss the game, and we're we also talk some UK basketball is my friend and colleague and fellow Herald Leader Sports columnist Mark Story. We talked about the win over the Cardinals. We talked about the uh, decisions that Mark Stoops has to make moving forward with this program, particularly about Rich Gangarello as his offensive coordinator. And we also talked about Kentucky basketball, where they are coming out of the Thanksgiving break with a couple of losses already uh, on the uh, uh, on the one loss ledger that double overtime loss to uh, Michigan State in the Champions Classic and then the loss last Sunday at Gonzaga. Kentucky basketball has a couple of games this week. They play Bellarmine on Tuesday and then they head out to head to London. They go across the pond to play Michigan next Sunday. So, without any further ado, let's get right to it. My conversation with Mark Story, sports columnist for the Herald Leader and kentucky.com. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast my friend, colleague, and fellow Herald Leader Sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, John. Uh, Kentucky gets the win over Louisville to, in the regular season finale, takes the Governor's Cup for the fourth straight year, 26-13 over the cards. Uh, Kentucky was a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but there was a lot of talk, uh, and, a lot of, and people picked Louisville to win. I was one of the ones who picked Louisville to win. Uh, I think you also were in that boat in our predictions, but Kentucky gets the victory. What, what was your thoughts on the game? Well, I you know, I don't know that winning that game made people feel better about the Kentucky season, but it kept them from feeling a whole lot worse. Um, you know, I think it was important for Kentucky to win that game. I mean, obviously, you know, the expectations for what people wanted to see from Kentucky this year weren't met. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they beat Florida in the swamp. They won at Missouri and they kept the Governor's Cup for a fourth straight year. So, you know, there were some 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 tan- tangible achievements. And I think, you know, I, I think it was an important game for Kentucky to win just to, you know, keep the negativity from getting worse, I yeah, guess. Right. Yeah, to, and we I think we both said it before the game. I mean, seven and five, while not what they wanted, and it's definitely a step back from a year ago when they uh, were nine and three in the regular season and won the bowl game to go ten and three. It's a heck of a lot better than six and six. Uh, and they do have the yet to be determined bowl game coming up. Uh, a big game for Matt Ruffalo, kicked four for four on his field goals, earned MVP honors. Uh, all sna- all four snaps look perfect. Holds look perfect. Uh, you had to feel good for Matt after the rocky season that he had this year. Well, the, obviously the place kicking team had been an adventure, and they were it was, you know, they made things look routine 
uh, Saturday, which was what you wanted to see. But you know, all the special teams were good. You know, Chance Poor as the kickoff specialist, you know, put them all in the end zone. Louisville didn't get to return one kick. And, and Wilson Berry, the punter, was really good. And his last punt, which Coffin cornered at the one-yard line, pretty much ended any hope Louisville had of, you know, a late rally to steal the game. So, you know, a Kentucky special teams unit that had taken a lot of criticism this year and frankly deserved it. You know, they, they came up big in the gov- battle for the governor's cup. Yeah, and another good, another excellent game by the Kentucky defense. Uh, Old Louisville, the 13 points. Louisville, Malik Cunningham did not start, but he did play. Uh, but they helped Louisville from getting the big play. Uh, you know, came up with the turnovers, came up with, the, I believe, three turnovers. I thought J.J. Weaver helped kind of set the tone in the first half with that strip sack of Louisville. I thought turnovers was going to be a big thing coming into the game because Louisville was third in the nation, I think, in turnover margin, uh, number one in sacks, and I think they led all Power 5 schools in forced turnovers. So the turnovers were big. But just a uh, really, when you look back on it, a re- just an outstanding season by the U.K. defense. I think I don't have it in front of me. I think they're like 11th or 12th in scoring defense. I think they're number 20 in total defense. Just a really good year overall by the Kentucky defense. It was. And, you know, if you looked at that game coming in, and I was also among those who picked Louisville, Louisville entered the game, you know, having what, won five out of six, and they were turning people over and sacking, you know, sacking the quarterback and tons of havoc stats and kind of things that the Kentucky offense had been vulnerable to. And the Kentucky defense, as good as it had been, it's not really done. But and this is the kind of thing that frustrates you when you're a team in a rivalry that, that uh, is sort of on the, the 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 down the downside of the trend in a rivalry. You know, you get in the actual game, and it was Kentucky that you know forced the turnovers and played clean itself. And it was the Kentucky special teams who, had, which as we mentioned, had been pretty bad, which were just Sterling and Louisville special teams, which had been a big strength. You know, they didn't do anything bad, but you know they they weren't better than Kentucky's, which on paper it looked like they should have been. And you know, the Kentucky defense. I thought was really good, but I guess if I was going to knock them a little bit, the 2018 defense, you know, with Josh Allen and you know that crew, there were a couple of games that year where the offense was just hopeless and the defense just made plays and won the game. I think of the Vanderbilt game when Kentucky couldn't move the ball at all and, and Vanderbilt was driving in a 7-7 game and Quentin Bohanna stripped the ball and recovered it and the defense and then the offense managed to score and pull out a game. You know, and, and I thought the defense you know, was the reason in the Missouri game when Kentucky was down at halftime and a good Missouri offense with Drew Locke at quarterback, Kentucky held it without a first down in the entire second half, and the offense was finally able to rally. This year, there were a couple of times, the, the second half against South Carolina, when Kentucky's with a backup quarterback, and you just you can't let South Carolina score, and, and obviously they couldn't, they, they didn't stop them. And then the last drive against Vanderbilt, when they, you know, obviously, you know, they had an interception overturned, but they had chances after that, you know, to, to win that game, and they just didn't make the play. Uh, that's why, to me, this defense, as good as it was, was not at the level of the 2018 defense. No, I, I would agree with that. I thought they played really well, but I, I would put them behind the 2018 uh, defense as well. What about the much maligned Kentucky offense? How how do you think they played last night? I thought they played better, but there you know there was still some of the same stuff. You know the fact that they had to kick four field goals. You know got get goes back to you know, they just for whatever reason really struggled to finish drives and. 
you know, I think some of that you can place on the quarterback. I think you know some of that, and the fans obviously place a lot of it on the play calling, and you know maybe there's something to that. But I think a lot of it also goes just to the offensive line that they couldn't just blow teams off and run the ball like they had been able to in, in many of the recent years. But yeah, that was I mean it was a problem all year, and even last night, you know they 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 had some trouble you know getting it in the end zone. The most conspicuous was you mentioned the 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 Weaver strip sack. That you know they got it at the Louisville six first and goal and couldn't punch it in, and um, that that kind of thing you know it, it was frustrating. And you know you look at their their red zone percentage, uh, it, it wasn't very good. I think they're 106 in the country in, in red zone offense, and even that's a little misleading because that you know they had 47 opportunities and only scored 25 touchdowns, and that's just not very good. No. Uh, we'll talk about Rich Gangrel here in a minute, but let's talk about the rivalry. Uh, it was a cl- Kentucky had blown them out in the last three years. This, this was a closer game, although Kentucky did win again. Does that mean Louisville is uh, gaining some ground in the in the uh, in this series, or do you just go by wins and losses and Kentucky continues to dominate? Well, I think obviously the most important thing is just is just to win. Period. I do think Louisville had closed. You know, I think the big gap between the programs had been in the, the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I thought Louisville was far more competitive, both offensive line and defensive line, this year than it had been in the, in the three previous blowouts that you alluded to. The thing that's interesting to me is is that sustainable improvement because you know you look at their offensive line, you know they start three seniors and one is a redshirt senior. Now, I'm not familiar enough with their personnel to know if those guys you know are super seniors or have it have the option to come back. And you look at their defensive front seven, and there were four seniors you know in that. And again, I'm not. I don't know their personnel well enough to know if those guys are really out of eligibility or not. You know, I think if you wind up graduating all those seniors, then I don't know whether that's sustainable, you know, closing of the gap or not. But I do think Louisville was far more competitive in the trenches this year than they had been the three previous games. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree. Uh, Better defensively, uh, which they've been better defensively all season. We talked about the turnovers and the sacks and the plays they've been able to make on defense. You know, you point to the Wake Forest game, how many would they forced eight turnovers in that game? So uh, I still think Louisville, I mean, I still think it comes down to wins and losses. And Kentucky's got four straight wins. The Governor Cup stays in Lexington. Uh, but but Louisville did play a much more competitive game uh, yesterday than they had in the previous years. But Scott Satterfield still drops to 0 3. I'm sure we're on Kentucky's side, 7 and 5 sounds a lot better than 6 and 6, although it was a disappointing season. I think for Louisville to lose that game yesterday kind of takes some of the shine off of the what has been a turnaround season for Satterfield uh, this year. Uh, we'll see how that plays out for Kentucky. Mark Stoops. Now we go into the off season, or at least until the bowl. This part of the kind of the pre-bowl season. Obviously, Mark Stoops has some decisions to make uh, moving forward. And the big decision is what was he going to do about Rich Gangarello? Uh, does he keep him as his offensive coordinator for a second season, or does he make a change? We are recording this on Sunday night. There's been no word either way today uh, about that. I would think if some kind of decision is going to be made, it would be made pretty quickly. Um, I am I I'm in the minority. I think he's going to keep Rich Gangarello. Although I will have to say. Uh, Mark's answer to John Hale's question about the offense last night did not <laughs> make me more confident in that belief. What, how do you feel about it, Mark? 
I'm conflicted. I, you know, I think it's a closer call than a lot of the fans think. I, I mean, I think there, I, I think there's a that. case for, you know, wanting some stability. Um, I, I think Scangarello is smart. I think, you know, he didn't get the, the normal amount of preparation time. You know, he was hired late because Liam Cohen left late. Um, you know, I think the transition from the NFL to college football was, I, I think he, I think he underestimated it a little bit. Um, I think he's, as I said, I think he's smart. I think, you know, listening to him talk last night, you know, he was asked about the red zone struggles and he said he didn't want to go into all of it, but he did mention a couple of things that I thought, you know, made sense. You know, he said that, you know, he thought in looking back on it, they were too conservative in their play calling on first down that they needed to you know, take a, be a little more aggressive. And then he thought they pro- probably needed to do more hurry up like on third down plays that by being in the huddle and taking all the time they take, was allowing they were always going against the other team's best pass rush package. And, you know, I thought that suggested somebody that's, you know, put some thought into this and, and I don't rule out that if he's back, there would be a big improvement next year, but I think it's a big risk just because, you know, it did not go well this year. I mean, they you look at their offensive statistics and, and they're bad. You know, they were 88th in the country on third down conversions, 88th in the country in passing, 109th in the country in rushing, 105th in scoring, 106th in total offense, and 106th in red zone offense. And, I mean, that's that's just bad. That's not good football. No, and 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 I think if you bring him back and it's there's not a big improvement. I mean, the negativity is just going to take over your whole program. And you know, we, I was talking with a friend last night, and you know, they were saying basically, and, and and this friend like me is conflicted on this topic. But basically, he was saying that you come out in the opener next year, and if your offense you know struggles in the first half, they're going to get booed off the field at halftime because and and you know. You know, I think it's a tough call because there's been you've had so much turnover. I mean, you've already had this is three offensive coordinators in three years. You've had four offensive line coaches in three years. I mean, at some point that has to stop. But I just think you know, while it's risky, I guess to make a change, I think it's risky not to make a change too. Yeah, yeah. The the one thing we don't know, we talked about. The, I think we talked about this last week. Uh, or, or maybe I talked with it, uh, John on our John Hale on our preview podcast. We're not in the building. We don't know what his relationship is with the players, with the other coaches. Do the are the players you know behind him? Would they be upset if he was let go? Are they still confident in what he was doing, even though it wasn't producing the results they want? Or was there some disgruntlement among the offense? More than just the frustration of it not working was there disgruntlement uh, in the offense as well. I thought it. I wasn't uh, on the side. I wasn't there when uh, the media talked to uh, Barry on Brown, but I know you were. Uh, what? What? He, from what I could tell, anyway, he had some interesting things to say about that and about his future. Uh, just talk about that a little bit. Well, he was uh, Barry on is fun to talk to, and he was funny about the rumor everybody's heard that you know the tennis that a Tennessee collective is going to buy him off the Kentucky roster for for UT and he basically said he didn't know how that rumor got started 
said he was BBN for life. And then he asked a huge gaggle of reporters, can you guys do something to shut down this rumor? <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, Barry, I'm sorry, probably not. <laughs> but, yeah, that one will be hard to kill, yeah. But um, it was, you know, and obviously, you know, based off what he said, it, you know, it was encouraging. And, you know, Deion Walker, you look at, you know, his social media presence, you know, it seems like he plans to stay at Kentucky you know, Kentucky, whatever else you feel about the season, the, Kentucky's young talent was really impressive. Right. And, you know, they've, you know, they've obviously got some big holes to fill, but they've also got a really exciting young nucleus if they can hold it together. Right. Right. And, and you know, I think some people, back to Scangarello, I think some people think, well, you know, if they keep Scangarello, they're going to have guys leave because they were upset with the way the offense performed. But if you, if you don't keep Scang, I think a lot depends. If you don't keep Scangarella, who you bring in here? Because you got, as you say, you got some really good young players on offense. When you look at Barry on Brown, when you look at Dane Key, when you look at Dingle, the tight end, uh, you know they got Josh Caddis, the other tight end, Caddis, yeah. seventy yard, uh, you know, catch and run yesterday. They've got some really good talent on offense, some young young guys. And if you change direction, I think too much on offense, you bring in somebody who's going to be more run oriented or whatever um you know are you you risk of losing those guys um i mean that has mark has a lot of things to consider when he makes this decision there's no doubt about it yeah i thought when he cashiered eddie grand and hired liam cohen i thought that was a really tough because in a lot of ways i thought eddie grand succeeded right you know in, in some ways eddie grand steven johnson and austin mcginnis saved mark's job right right and so when you know he made that, I thought that was a tough call that could go either way, a really hard call, and you know it seemed like it worked out. And I think this one is hard too because, as I said earlier, I'm slightly on the side of thinking he probably ought to change, but I can make a pretty good argument for keeping him. And I do think, just primarily from talking to him after games, I think Skangarello's smart. I think he will figure out a lot of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think one thing that, and I, you know, I didn't really think about this until just recently. Liam had not been in the NFL for very long when he came. Liam Cohen, when he got the job at UK, what he'd been with the Rams just two or three years, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, Scangarella has a much more involved NFL history. I mean, he goes back with Shanahan several years, even when Shanahan was an uh, Kyle Shanahan when he was an offensive coordinator back with the Falcons. Uh, I just wonder if the transition was hard, was easier from Cohen going back to college. I know it was a whole different level with the SEC than it was for Scangarello. And if you give him a, if you give him more time to sit down, which it, as you talk, as you said, it, it sounds like he's already thinking about a lot of those things. When we talked to him on um, uh, last Tuesday before Thanksgiving, he somebody asked him about the offensive line, and he'd already started talking about how you know Horsey is a, was born to Kenneth Horsey was born to play guard, but they had to play him at tackle this year uh, because they needed him at tackle. You know they're going to shift him back to guard next year. Uh, you know what the experience that Jagger Burton got this year, how invaluable that was. Eli Cox making the transition. I mean, he was already talking about what you could tell he was thinking about next year. Uh, there was a question either yesterday or maybe last Tuesday about Juton McLean. You, you know, he talked about his talents and how they can be used. So with more time to prepare, I think he, I, I feel like he could do a good job of pinpointing what went wrong and how to fix it. But uh, whether he'll get that opportunity, <laughs> we shall see. But you make a very good point. If you, if Mark does keep him and they get off to a bad start next year, 
it, that would not be good. Uh, it would not be good all the way around, uh, both in the stands and in the locker room. Uh, eight, I want to talk a little what, bit. What, 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 little one more thing. About, uh, can, can I can one more thing? Yeah, right, but I was going to say, what, anything else you want to talk We need to hit on about football. I just think in terms of evaluating Scangarello, but also if you make a change in hiring the offensive coordinator, we're in an era where I think a lot of that decision may depend on what kind of quarterback your offensive coordinator would have access to bringing in from the portal. Right. And we're in an era where you know, I think that's going to play a huge role in hiring assistants is who they can bring with them. Right. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I, uh, and what I wrote for Monday's paper, one thing I hit on or tried to hit on was that uh, I think Scan- the draw of Rich Gangarello being your coordinator is that NFL for a quarterback is that NFL connection. He was the quarterback's coach of the 49ers when he came, you know, last year before he came to Kentucky. But was that draw hurt this year by the lack of production and what happened this year? Uh, that I think is a big question that you know has to be answered. So. Um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I want to talk a little bit basketball, uh, and we'll do that right after this break when I come back with Mark's story. Okay, back here with Mark's story. Uh, Kentucky, since we last talked last Sunday, Kentucky lost to Gonzaga on Sunday night. They came back and beat North Florida on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. They got two games this week. They play Bellarmine on Tuesday, and then they go to London and play Michigan on Saturday. Where do, where do you think this Kentucky basketball team stands right now Here as we come out of the Thanksgiving break? I think they are in dire need of beating somebody good is where <laughs> I think they stand. They, um, you know, I entered this season thinking they were going to be really good. Um, and it's so early. I think that's obviously still a possibility. But I guess the thing that has bothered me a little bit, when they were in against Michigan State, which was a game you and I saw in person, and then when they played Gonzaga, which was a game watched on TV, I just didn't feel like they looked – I didn't feel like Kentucky looked super talented. I just – I didn't feel like they had a huge talent advantage in those games. And maybe, you know, maybe I was expecting too much. But, you know, with the caveat, it's super early. And, you know, I think what a lot of people perceive as Calipari making excuses, which is that, you know, he didn't have Oscar and Severe Wheeler in particular for all the practices, which I actually think is probably a valid point. Um, you know, with all those caveats, it, it just it bothered me a little bit that I, I didn't feel like Kentucky's talent level when I saw them against good teams was what maybe I had, had expected it to be. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I got that feeling in the Gonzaga game. Uh, you know, it, to me, there was just nobody on the floor. I know Oscar had his, what, 20 points and 15 rebounds in that game. Uh, but Oscar, Oscar had a great year last year. No, knock on Oscar. He was very deserving. He had one of the best seasons, really, in Kentucky basketball history. Very deserving of player of the year. But he does have some, uh, I don't know, flaws are the right word, but shortcomings in his game, especially on defense. Defense And often, uh, I'm, when you look at this roster, I'm not sure I see anybody that I think, okay, that guy's going to be a lottery pick. I think Casey Wallace has a potential to be a lottery pick down the road, but I'm not sure they have anybody like that. And uh, I, the practices to me, the lack of practice time that Cal talks about, it's a valid point, but I think it's an overrated point by Cal. I think he needs to cool it on that and just say we got to play better. Uh, we need to get things fixed and we got to play better. You know, it's early in the year. We got time to do it, but we 
got to play better. They were just – I know they cut it to four or five or what it was in the second half, but even when they did that against Gonzaga, I never really had confidence that, hey, they're going to come back and win this game. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, Michigan, Michigan's definitely been up and down. They took a bad loss there, got blown out by Arizona State. They had to go into overtime to beat Ohio. Uh, I don't know how good this Michigan team is, but at least they're a name team. The Kentucky, I agree with you. They need to beat Michigan in London. And I, I don't think, you know, Bellarmine's played some, played a really tough schedule and they played some people uh, close. Uh, they beat Louisville. Of course, everybody's beaten Louisville. Uh, you know, they need to take Bellarmine seriously on Tuesday, don't you think? Yeah, I think that is an interesting game just because Bellarmine, you know, plays such a unique style and is a fun team to watch. Now, Bellarmine has played, they played Friday in California against Loyola Marymount. They're playing UCLA today. Um, then they're flying back and then, they, and then they'll come to Lexington Tuesday. I'm not sure that's an ideal setup for how to, uh, how to come into Rupp Arena and beat beat Kentucky, uh, but but you know I'm anxious to see that game just because I like Scott Davenport. I've, I'm an admirer of what he's done in his career and what he's done at Bellarmine. I think it'll be cool to see see them get a chance on the very big stage that is Rupp Arena. Yeah, no doubt, uh, no doubt. So yeah, basketball, uh, football. The regular season is over, but we got pl- there'll be plenty of news. Uh, whether there are staff changes or whatever coming out of the coming out of the regular season finale, we also know next Sunday where Kentucky is going for their bowl game. Uh, you you kind of hit on that too today. Do we have a best guess scenario at this point? Or I know so much of it now it's left up to the SEC. Yeah, I actually think you know one of the themes of the Kentucky football season I thought was just a lot of things didn't break UK's way. Now, I'm not sure this last week really broke UK's way. And when I looked at the bowl projections, you know, I was pleasantly surprised last week. I thought there were some pretty interesting matchups, and several people still had them in the Gator Bowl, which would you know be a trip to Florida. You know, I thought you know one one you know one projection had them playing Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl, which I think people would get excited about. But I think with LSU losing. That probably knocks them out of the New Year's Six unless they beat Georgia in the championship game. And with Mississippi State winning, you know, had they lost, both Kentucky and State would have been seven-win teams, and Kentucky would have beaten them head-to-head. But State winning, that gives them eight wins, and I assume puts them ahead of Kentucky in the pecking order. So, you know, I'm not sure the last week did UK any favors. No, no. But we'll find out uh, next Sunday where Kentucky is going for the bowl game. Uh, and as I mentioned, we have uh, two basketball ga- men's basketball games this week with uh, Bellarmine on Tuesday and then the Michigan game on Sunday in London. Uh, be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out all of his coverage, all of his work, both in the print edition of the Lexanero Leader and online at Kentucky.com. And as always, thanks again for being on the podcast, Mark, and thanks again for being on the podcast all season with these uh, wrap-up uh, game wrap-up podcasts. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Okay, my thanks to Mark Story. Follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Leave us a rating or review wherever you find the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Go to Kentucky.com, hit the subscription button, check out all our offers for subscriptions to either the print edition of the Lexington Arrow Leader or a digital subscription to Kentucky.com. We'll have more podcasts this week. The Kentucky State High School Football Championships are coming up. We'll have a podcast with Jared Peck 
previewing that. And depending on what happens with Kentucky football, we'll have a, probably have another podcast later in the week about what's going on with the Wildcats on the football side of things as well. Th- thanks again to Mark Story. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the John Clay Podcast.